0: Father God, I just thank you for this man of God, for his willingness to step into the gap, to uh, man the breach, and to bring your word. And we just pray that you'll give him your authority to speak um, from his heart and from your heart, Lord, and bring the truths out of your scriptures this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Don't you love the adventures that God brings your way? <laughs> So, yes, Matthew chapter 7, and there's going to be three talks from this, this chapter. Paul's going to be doing two uh, from, from around the middle of the chapter. Um, I was going to be doing this talk in, in about three weeks' time, but I think it actually fits better um, having it first anyway, since I'm starting in the very first verse of chapter 7. And it, it starts off with do not judge. And so that ends the talk. <laughs> no, it starts, do not judge. And this is an actually very commonly misused verse. Because you'll often hear people say, well, you shouldn't judge. Because Jesus says, don't judge. But actually, when you look through the Bible, and it, uh, you find that there is a lot that is said about judging. Um, and uh, for a start, at the end of the age, on the last day, Jesus is going to be sitting there judging whether people's names is written in the book of life or not. In Second Peter, the apostle Peter says that we should be judging those who are speaking and teaching. In uh, 1 Corinthians... Let's find the verse. 1 Corinthians uh, 6... The Apostle Paul says this, If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? We're told to judge. And if you, if you jump into Matthew around chapter 3, you'll find that Jesus is issuing out some fairly harsh judgments on the Pharisees and teachers of the law, which I'm sure we'll get to at some stage. The, and then even in this chapter, as we'll discover, not a, Jesus starts by saying, do not judge, but then he actually issues some real wisdom about how we are to go about judging different situations and things. So we're going to... Exp- we may get in time to explore some of that so we what does it actually mean when jesus starts off by saying do not judge if you look at the greek the the word used there for judge uh, also really means condemn and you could quite literally say do not condemn so uh, that may give a bit of inference to you but also it's really helpful to look at the context of what's going on here jesus is in the sermon of the mount and is, uh, the nation of israel were, at the time was incredibly judgmental of people it's like people would try to elevate themselves by judging others and saying well you're no good you're hopeless you're useless so it makes me feel better anyone familiar with that type of attitude it's it's a um, there was a real uh, high value put on being good, behaving, good biblical literacy. Uh, there was you you got hierarchy by who was teaching you biblical things, and and people would look down on others and. Examples, if you look at the Gospel of John and there is the woman caught in the act of adultery, not the man caught in the act of adultery, it was the woman caught in the act of adultery, taken before Jesus, and and the the Pharisees were trying to test Jesus and saying, what should happen here? This woman disobeyed the law, and they they were actually just pushing her down because she was an adulterer. Uh, When you look at... um, in Luke, there's a parable that Jesus shares there about the way the attitude that people had towards others. And in Luke 18, 9 to 14, he said, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, who was a, a a teacher of the law, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax co- collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And tax collectors were at the bottom of the barrel when it came to how people thought. Um, I, I suspect that most of us here don't really mind paying our fair share of tax. You know, it means that we have roads, we have hospitals, we have education, we have various things that have by, by all communally sharing towards the cost of running the country. And, and, uh, and, and the tax that the tax collectors dealt back in the time of Jesus was a little bit different because it wasn't going to the running of the nation of Israel, it was going back to Rome. And so the, the Jewish people saw tax collectors, first of all, as thieves and robbers, taking from them. And it wasn't uncommon for a tax collector to skim a little bit extra for himself as well, or herself. The, uh, as well as that, they were classed as traitors because they were actually working for the occupiers. So there is a lot of judgment on tax collectors now, who wrote this gospel? And what was his occupation? Yeah, he was a tax collector. Now, it's interesting. Matthew would have been there listening to all of Jesus' talks. Um, and we know that from the book of Acts, because when they, in chapter 1 of the book of Acts, when they're in up, the upper room and they were looking for a replacement for Judas, uh, Peter said, well, it's got to be someone like us who is there for, from the time from John the Baptist, to be a witness. And so implying that the other 11 were there from the time of John the Baptist. So Matthew would have been there. But he wasn't a disciple of Jesus yet, because that occurs in a couple of chapters time when Matthew, Jesus calls Matthew to be one of his disciples. So he would have been there listening to Jesus talking. And I, I can imagine that Matthew was well, sitting there and, and he is going through all the different things that we've already gone through and thinking, yeah, that's good stuff, that's good stuff. And then Jesus says, do not judge. And this is Matthew's life. He lives under judgment. And I suspect that uh, uh, Jesus' teaching went from head knowledge for Matthew to right into here. And it just opened him up. And Jesus says this, do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way you judge others you'll be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. And I think that Matthew as he's listening to this would be saying, yeah, you know what? I know what it is to be judged. But also with what Jesus is saying there I realize that there are times when I see those who think they're better than me and they're not doing what they should be doing. They're, they're disobeying God's law and that sort of stuff. And I get pretty critical of them too. Does that connect with anyone? Yeah. And what Matthew was experiencing was hope instead of judgment. Listening to Jesus talk, he's saying, this guy gets me. This guy understands. You know, I think if he came and talked to me, I'd be willing to follow him because I think he will accept me. Instead of experiencing my whole life since I became a tax collector of judgment and people condemning me and putting me down, this guy is going to accept me. And who do you know in your world that could do with a little bit of acceptance? That people just ignore or judge or put down. They don't fit our normal criteria. Uh, Seb is doing a talk next week, which we're not going to uh, video. It won't go online because of the nature of the talk. So I encourage you to be here. It'll be a really awesome, awesome talk, uh, just uh, around sexuality and some of those sorts of things. And so, really encourage you to be be here. I remember uh, I, was at, uh, I was an apprentice. I was going to Polytech for training, and, and I was there talking with some guys about uh, when when the law to decriminalise uh, homosexuality was was being put in place and I remember thinking you mean I could get chatted up by another guy (laughs) Uh, I think my ego was a bit high I don't think I've ever been chatted up by a guy yet (laughs) but there's sort of uh, almost this aspect of fear because I was actually looking down on on other people and you know I don't condone uh, sex outside of marriage between a husband and wife. But I've had some fantastic conversations and built some great relationships with people who have different views to me. And there is a need that we actually do be accepting. Uh, I'm really proud of my children. And uh, the, uh, William the other day just made me feel extra proud he's he's a uh, apprentice electrician and he gets to work around an industrial electrician he gets to work around it, all, all sorts of sites and he is spending a particular uh, number of weeks working at a given company and uh, where there's a lot of people employed and there's one guy working there who was born deaf so he couldn't really speak and people would tend to ignore him except when they were said quick move out of the way and they just have to do that with hand signals and that, and so he had no real relationship going on with anyone uh, there. So William took it on himself to learn a bit of sign language. And then next time he went there, he did some signing to this guy, and he said, you should have seen his face light up. William noticed him. How many people are in our world that we just ignore? We don't accept them, we ignore them, they just go by and perhaps because of that they're just feeling judged, they're feeling put down and Jesus is saying don't judge don't condemn, don't ignore learn to accept people is that making sense? then he goes on and he starts to show different ways that we can judge and how we can work out of wisdom instead he says why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye how can you say to your brother let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye you hypocrite first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye So, the first thing that we need to learn to judge is to judge ourselves. Now, the very first beatitude that Jesus said is: Blessed are the. Just just a little hint. At the dinner, there's going to be a quiz. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And being poor in spirit, if you remember when we did the talk, it was about that we realize that we can't do it on our own, that, that we are sinners, that we need a saviour, that we need Jesus. And this is what Jesus is reiterating again when he's saying about, look, if you've got a log in your own eye... You know, we need to come with the attitude that we are not perfect. We need Jesus. We need help. We, we were saved when we accepted Jesus. And, enabled, and when we come with that attitude, it enables us to have a level of humility when we're talking with other people. And if we, if we focus on the things that we need to work on, the issues with other people will become a little bit like sawdust in comparison to the plank that we have. Do you get that? This is great relational advice. Great marriage advice. You know, we, uh, It is so easy to want your partner or your friend to change that there's things that are irritating you and you want it to change and it really upsets you you know, you can't change anyone else. You can only change yourself. It's focus on the things that you can do by working on yourself and perhaps the thing that is annoying you is there because it's an attitude in you that you need to work on. The plank that you can need to actually shift and move. Does that make sense? Um, at... at Worked the other day, one of my uh, team leaders who was isolating, uh, was having a phone conversation with him and one of his team about something and he got a little bit frustrated and he hung up on us. <laughs> um, not the sort of behavior I expect. I understand, you know, he was right at the start of being, having COVID, he was not feeling great. So when he was back at work on Friday I I said to him can we have a chat about the phone call Uh, and I said what do you think went wrong and he he talked about some of the things that were frustrating with him and then he said you know I shouldn't have hung up. I said oh that's really great that you recognise that and what are you going to do about it? And uh, So he said, I'd better go and apologise to me first, and I'd better go and apologise to the other guy as well, which he went and did, which is great. And, you know, I didn't have to get to judge him or anything. It's one of those things, if you do the coaching course coming up in July that you'll learn to do, and it's just by asking a couple of little questions, um, he was able to see the things in him that he needed to change. And, you know, for me, because... One of, the, one of my core values is no one wakes up in the morning wanting to fail. Did you get that? If someone wakes up in the morning wanting to fail, it's probably they need to go and get some help. But basically, no one wakes up in the morning wanting to fail, so when people do fail, and we all do, having that attitude, well, actually, I fail as well, I, what I have to work on is what's wrong with me, and when I'm doing that, then people will accept when, I'm, when perhaps they need a little bit of help with the sawdust that's in their eye. So the first thing that we need to learn to judge is to judge ourselves. Secondly, we need to learn to judge those who are ready to listen. Jesus went on to say, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So when Jesus is talking about these dogs and pigs, he's not talking about the family pet as far as a dog, and he's not talking about the pigs we see in uh, pig farms. These were roaming wild. They they could be vicious. They'd eat corpses if they are left lying around. In fact, there's a story in uh, Chronicles and Kings where uh, King Ahab's wife Jezebel, Elijah the prophet prophesied that she would, um, she would die, and they wouldn't wouldn't be able to get her body. And she fell from a window, fell on the ground, and the dogs came and ate her up. Great story. <laughs> Glad the kids are out. Um. So, and when, Je- when Jesus. Is re- referring to dogs and pigs, who's he referring to? And if we go look at the Bible, there's numerous times when people are referred to in this category. Peter refers to false teachers as dogs and pigs. And you can see that in in the books of Peter. Uh, Jesus referred to a woman who was a Gentile as a dog. Someone who wasn't part of the kingdom. But I. I think from the context of so we know that dogs and pigs are referring to people, and I think in the context of what Jesus is saying here, he's talking about people who aren't ready to listen to what we have to say. And it's so easy to get dragged into arguments that are not helpful and and can become hurtful, because people just aren't ready to listen. You know, I've a a great uh, I have my staff say I have lots of sayings. And I do, and one of my sayings is you've got to let pain do its work or one of the others that works out of that that people know is give enough rope and someone will hang themselves, but if you've you got to let pain do its work. People actually need to get to the point where they're actually willing to listen to what has to be said and you know, sometimes you'll get a knock at the door and there'll be two people standing there and they're wanting to share their spiritual view so you decide that you're going to take them on and normally that will just end in a big argument and no one actually profits from it because they're not ready to listen I suspect if you get a knock on the door by a couple of people who have a different religious view then uh, ask God if he's got a word of knowledge for them and exercise some spiritual power or just say thanks, have a nice day and, and let them go on. Um, when I was an apprentice at the, the railways, uh, which is at the Addington workshops, which is now tower junction, it's called tower junction because there used to be a big water tower at the workshops, which you weren't allowed up, but of course as apprentices, we would go up there occasionally. We'd do all sorts of things as apprentices. We had pot belly stoves for keeping the, the workshops warm. And so we'd stand around the pot belly stoves in winter. We didn't do a lot of work, by the way. I don't know if you remember what the railways were like. Um, you could walk all day with a piece of paper, and people thought you were busy, and you go around and have lots of conversations with people. With the potbelly stoves, one of the things we used to do is when, when the embers were really nice and hot underneath, you get some, some coke and you put a good layer of coke on there. And then you get a heap of kerosene and you pour that on top, and you get another smaller layer of coke there. And then you walk away and wait for someone else to come and stand there, and a few minutes later, the lid would explode off. <laughs> Don't try that at home. So anyway, one day I was standing around this pot valley stove and everyone knew I was a Christian. I, I, I was very active in sharing my faith uh, at, the, at the railways and there's this one, one guy who decided to have a debate and he started talking to me and he said, so the Bible says not to be drunk. And I said, yeah, that's right. And he said, so do you drink? And I said, yes, I have the occasional drink. I've never been drunk, by the way. But from his perspective that's not true because he said, so if, you, if it takes you five drinks to get drunk, what are you when you've had one drink? And you can see that sort of debate doesn't go anywhere. He wasn't willing to listen to the gospel, the good news of Jesus at all, and all I did was waste my time and frustrate us both. People need to be willing to listen I was in a situation myself a number of years ago where I wasn't li- willing to listen. The, um, when we had a first child, Denise got postnatal depression, and I was right into my running days. I was doing 100 miles a week, I was, that's 14 hours a week of exercise. I got second in a marathon, I got to be a reasonable runner, although Robert Holland was a better runner than I would ever, ever be. Um, But it wasn't good for our marriage. You know, I'd I'd be up at 10 to 5 to go running a couple of hours each morning and and I needed to be in bed sort of 9, 9 9.30 at the latest. And that's just when Denise wanted to talk. And so it wasn't helpful. Um, Paul Edlund, who's our interim pastor here, was an elder at the time and him and Tony Marsh, the other elder, decided they were going to pay us a visit and suggest that I might want to think about the amount of time I was spending running. I wasn't willing to listen. We went up to Nelson to a a well-known Christian counselor for Denise to get some counseling around her depression and he chatted with her for a while. And then he picked on me. (laughs) He said, you need to actually put some priorities shift into into your lifestyle and put Denise first instead of you running. And what I did was think, nothing good really comes out unless you're really wanting to put a lot of work into it. I wasn't willing to listen. Not long after that, I snapped my Achilles. (laughs) God has a way of getting our attention. So uh, that curtailed a lot of my running and helped our relationship immensely. So we need to judge when it's the right time to say things to people or else we'll just be creating ourselves a bit of pain and potentially them a bit of pain. We also need to judge our direction. In verse 13, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And these verses are commonly used for uh, becoming a a follower of Jesus or getting into heaven. And there is only, the narrow way meaning that there is only one way to get to heaven, and that is by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour and putting him in charge. And it's a narrow way but it can also refer to life in general. You know, it is really easy just to live life with whatever comes along, just out of our own natural thinking. But the Bible calls, missing the mark, sin. And God has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for every one of us. He has the absolute best for our life. And finding that and going after that and making the right decisions and judging the right decisions is a narrow way. It means that we actually have to narrow down our choices that we make and make judgment around what's right and what's wrong, what God actually wants for us to do and what He doesn't want for us to do. Does that make sense? Um, most you know that that I'm in business. That brother and I own the company, and uh, when when uh, f- father and brother and I were running the company, we we fairly much didn't do it well. Each of us would make a decision, and the other two had to live with it, type thing. And we'd just go and do our own thing, and we got into a little bit of a disaster uh, for for various of these reasons. But you know. Uh, a number of years ago i handed the company over to over to god and decided i'd listen to his advice his instruction and today we are flourishing we are flourishing and it comes because i choose to actually obey what god tells me to do in the running of the company it makes a difference perhaps the band would like to come up as I go into the... Well, this will just be the last thing that I talk about this morning. And uh, Jesus said, we also need to judge fruit. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, fruit you will recognize them. Now, we, we need to judge who's having input into our lives. Who's at, where are we actually getting input into our lives? And make some judgments on that and you can tell whether the input is good or not by the fruit that you are receiving from it or seeing from it you can just look at the fruit of the people who are actually doing the input and decide is that good fruit or not and you can also look at the fruit that you're receiving and you know, I think this is one of the cautions around social media a lot of people get input from social media for their lives and I'm not necessarily against social media. I, I don't personally do Facebook and all that, but I, I, I am on LinkedIn. I have one of my staff who look after it because it's a good sales networking uh, system. But if, if you uh, spend time on social media and the fruit of that is that you feel uh, afraid, you feel hurt, you feel... Um, uh, that you're devalued, then can I suggest you need to think about the input that you're getting from that. And that's the same with wherever you're getting input from. What is the fruit that's coming from this? And Jesus calls us to judge that. So we're told, don't condemn, don't judge others. Actually, judge yourself. Look at yourself first before you help others. But we are to judge the input that we, or if people are ready to hear, we're to judge uh, the pathways that we take and we're to judge the fruit of the input that we're having into our lives. You know, Jesus gives us wisdom in how to live stand. stained.
0: In the crush. In the pressing, you are making new wine In the soil I now surrender You are breaking new ground And so I yield to you and to your careful When I trust you I don't need to understand And so I yield to you and to your careful careful hands When I trust you you, I don't need need to understand So make me your vessel make me an offering make me whatever you want me to be i came here with nothing but all you have given me jesus bring new wine out of me the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine, in the soil I now surrender, you are breaking new ground. And so I yield to you and to your careful hand When I trust you I don't need to understand And so I yield to you and to your careful hand When I trust you I don't need to understand so make me a vessel make me an offering
1: make me whatever
0: you want me to be i came here with nothing but all you have given me jesus bring new wine out of me so make me your vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing, but all you have given me, Jesus spring.